so I told you all last week to uh, those of you who were able to be here that <coughs> we were going to do two things this week. One was we were going to jump back into First uh, Timothy for a few minutes and have just a little bit of conversation here about a about verse fifteen in chapter two. Now, last week we had gone through all of the bulk of chapter 2, and we had some wonderful discussion about some of the things that Paul had to say with uh, within that the, the guidelines and, and, and limitations, if you will, or structural uh, discussion that he was having with Timothy about church and having to do with difficulty that men were going through, difficulty that women were going through, and, uh, and so we, we talked about uh, all the things in verse 12 and 13 and um, the, the reasons he gave for him not permitting certain things with women to speak in church and, and authority over men and all those things. Um, and we, you know, hopefully we had a good discussion on that and left here with a good understanding of, uh, of, of, what, of what God was trying to, to put in these words. Um, but we stopped at verse 15, and if you look at verse 15, it says... Let me back up a little bit, I guess. Let's just read 13 on down, because he's giving that reasoning here. In verse 13, verse 13, he says, For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Verse 15, it says, Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. And my comment last week as I left here was, I have no idea what this really means. I've read commentary after commentary and looked at study notes, and you'll find it going in different directions and, and trying to explain it and understand it. And it seems to be one of those verses where, depending on, on whose opinion you read, um, you'll get a different point of view. It seems to harken back to Genesis. Was it Genesis 3? 3.15, um, talking about how um, essentially that, that, that Christ will come and crush the head of the serpent and that it will come through childbirth that a woman will, 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 will bear the, the Savior. And it seems to harken back to that, but there's a lot of other potential explanations that, that I've read, and I just thought I would give us a, take, take a few minutes this morning and say, what do you guys have in your in, in your mind, or have you heard, or in your study Bibles, or, or what can you what can we gain from this, and why is it here? My Bible's got two other, three other translations too. It says, um, it says, my, in the normal translation of mine says, but women will be saved through childbearing, assuming they continue to live in faith, love, holiness, and modesty. But then. It's got an asterisk, and if you look down there, it says, or will be saved by accepting the role as mothers, or will be saved by the birth of a child. Hmm. I'm not sure that clears it up at all. No. So, <laughs> well, it's more of a, and, and that, that alludes to one of the explanations that I've read about this particular verse, is that it's, that perhaps Paul was trying to encompass this, this godly role of women and in such a way that only only women can do with with bearing children, only women can influence their children and their families the way that a woman can, and that if a if a woman is is true to her calling 
that she has in that role as childbearer and, and the way that she raises the children and loves a family and continues in that path, that, it's, that it, she's answering a godly call and that through that she will be found faithful, etc. You know, and so there, there's so much that people try to interpret into this verse. And I, and I thought it was just worthy of some discussion. Anything else? Anybody else have something? I don't have an answer. I'm just asking contextually here. Paul's writing to Timothy. He is. Over which church religion? Which one was this? Yeah, it is Ephesus. Yeah, it is Ephesus. You're right. I'm just sitting here wondering. I don't know if he is really specifying in general God or if he's talking about this segment, what God's will is. I don't know. I'm just... Yeah, it, it, that's a, that's an open point for discussion. You know, and when we when we were looking back on verses 11, you know, he said, let, let, a, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. You know, we made the point that clearly Paul's not saying women can't speak in church because there's plenty of other places where he talks about um, women speaking in church, or at least at least there are some. Um, but then he goes on to make that that point that the reason why he says some of this is because of the order of creation. And so when you look at the order of creation, you realize he was he's making this reference going all the way back to the beginning. And if it was only to apply to this particular instance, he wouldn't, all of it, yeah, yeah, he wouldn't need to build, build that foundation. Right. Um, and, and so, but does that carry on? To the end of this passage, and I don't, I don't really have an answer for that, for that either. Um, but, but it's, it, it's, you know, keep, keep this framework in place that, that the the main reason for this letter to Ephesus is that there are false teachers that are infiltrating things, causing issues, and so when we see him call out the posture of men in prayer. And when he talks about what men should be doing and what he desires for men to do and so on, it, it, if we frame it within the context of false teachers behaving improperly and causing problems, then, then there's, there's at least some framework for us to say that he's trying to overcome that. But again, I don't know how we put this into that either. You know, it's, it's one of those verses of Scripture that that it, it it's obviously every verse in scripture is worth um, discussing and trying to understand, but it's also one of those verses that um, you know you can you can spend a lot of time on it trying to figure it out. In the end, it really doesn't change anything about uh, the foundations of salvation, etc. Uh, but it is something that that I wanted to have a discussion on. Anybody else? I think if you think about it, I'm not really just only now have this thought, but Church leaders writing to a church leaders saying in verse 12, it says, I do not, I, Paul, do not let women teach or have authority over men or over them. Uh, maybe this might sound like a liberal answer, and I hope it doesn't come off that way. But it already does. I know. No, go ahead. <laughs> I have to say that it sounds liberal, but I don't mean politically liberal. I mean, right, no, I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> maybe it, maybe it just means be careful who you let teach. Keep keep an eye out. Don't just let anybody teach anybody uh, within the church. Use discernment to who needs to be teaching. Uh, I, I think he had a specific reason for discussing women, but uh, probably in this context. But 
But but he could have said the same thing. I do not let really emotionally charged men that are going through all sorts of craziness in their life teach other men. You know, just be careful about yeah. what you have in teaching roles. I'm not trying to add to scripture here. No, 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 no you're not. But but he, but if he would have said, I, I that, and I'm not trying to argue with you. But to keep it in context, if he would have said that I don't allow crazy men to teach, <laughs> you know, paraphrasing you, right, yeah. then he probably wouldn't have said for Adam was formed right. first and Eve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's where that's where it comes back around for me that there's more meaning here than just for Ephesus um, when it comes to to not just these verses but all these verses mm-hmm. um, and and perhaps not but but. Uh, I mean, I've been wrong many, many times. Just ask my wife. Um, so, but I mean, it's great that we can have these discussions because every time we do, I dig a little deeper and, and oftentimes look at it from a whole different perspective, and it's great to, to get there. Um, but obviously, Paul is not saying in verse 15 that, that if women have children, they will be saved. That's, I mean, we know that that's not the case. And we also know that women do not, if we take this in a literal sense, that women would would be saved as, as continue living through childbirth. That's not the answer because so many women, unfortunately, don't make it through childbirth. And, and so uh, there's, there's no, there seems to be, for me, no good literal interpretation. Um, but... But I'll, I'll take this partially what you said, Steve, that, you know, if we think about when, uh, what was it, help me out, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household, right? The implication there is your household will also be saved if they believe on the Lord Jesus, not if you believe your whole household will be saved, right? Now, you can make the argument that if you believe in your head of it, head of your household, then you'll, you'll lead everyone in that direction, which is what you're called to do, and then they will be saved. But the implication still is that it is believing on the Lord Jesus that require is required for salvation to be imparted. And so in this situation, at least reading from the ESV here, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control, but I don't know what childbearing really has to do with that to get there. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit stuck. Uh, my thing, actually, is, uh, uh, so, well, the first line of my little notes is the precise meaning of this verse is a, a not immediately clear. Okay. <laughs> it, literally, it literally says that right there. All right. But um, I guess it also says here that um, saved um, could also mean the perseverance and faith necessary to internal salvation people are saved as they preserve the faith through the circumstances of their lives for instance a mother can act faithfully as she nurtures her child from birth to adulthood yeah and and i think there's you know as long as we're looking at it as long as we're discussing it in the light of what we know to be true across scripture right whatever meaning that we get from it is not wrong as long as it is in the framework of interpreting scripture within scripture. And that's typically our challenge is not to apply worldly definitions or our own thoughts and our own desires into what the scripture says, but to read the scripture and interpret it 
in light of other scriptures so that we stay within the framework that God has established. And, and, and certainly by doing that, we can look at it and say all these things that we've talked about this morning. Anything else? Yeah. Um, there was a devotion that I did, and they had explained the, um, the childbearing that, like, a mom never sees, you know, their child. They go through all the pain and the, the whole labor process and then the nine months of pregnancy, but then his birth, the baby. So they say, like, we never see Jesus, but we go through this life of suffering. You know, and then they say, yeah, there's a lot of symbolism in that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so perhaps perhaps there is a bit of a of a implication there with using childbearing in this in this in this particular text. Um, I just noticed there was a note here that I had not read that referred to Galatians four four. Um, Galatians four four says, "But then the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth her son, His son. My goodness, somebody going to throw something at me? Not you, Tink. Um, God sent forth His son, born of woman." Born under the law. <clears throat> so they're saying that there's a reference there. <coughs> Excuse me, that goes directly back to the uh, the, the Savior uh, being born of a woman. So um, I just wanted to have that discussion this morning. Anything else before we move into the second thing that I said we would discuss? One of those uh, current event topics out there. And uh, if, 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 if so, yes. If not, we'll move on. I always wondered if it hearkened back somehow to the curse because that was you know that was part of what he said when he cursed the woman said you will have you know pain in childbirth whatever and so oh, yeah oh, yeah perhaps so yeah because men are men's curses work we have to work and yep. toil and the garden was perfect until we mess it up and now we have to work and look at that yeah I, I, I like that connection as well as anything I've ever heard yeah. Would you like to write a commentary? <laughs> no. <laughs> my, my Bible needs notes on verse 15. Can you can you say what your what was the point again? I just I just have always wondered if it <clears throat> if it hearkened back to you know the curse for the woman. The curse you know when Eve sinned was that you will have you know in great pain you will bear children, and so yeah, in, uh, saying that Genesis. Genesis uh, 3, 14, is it? 15? Uh, uh, yeah, it's 16. Says, 16. Okay. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. That that whole passage seems to go back to what Paul's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a... Yeah. Because everything that I always see goes back to 15 that says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and all and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, which is you know, referring to uh, Christ. Christ will, will come in the future and essentially uh, defeat Satan. Um, but there's you just go down a little bit further. And it seems to have a much better connection. I'll just. OK. Um, at the end of this, it says, people are saved as they persevere in the faith. This persevering is expounded here for women as including noble roles unique to them. And I can totally okay. see that now that yeah. I just read that, you know, like, you know, I have to rely on God in different ways 
you know, raising these kids. I have to persevere. <laughs> steadfastness. Right. Yeah, steadfastness. And through that steadfastness and Get through that dedication. Brings me closer to God. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's see I think I think that that's the wonderful thing about scripture. You know, we could come back to this, you know, in a couple of weeks and we could have different perspectives, different things that we've experienced in our lives. And we may have read something else in scripture that'll bring us back here and, and we'll go, well, this means this to me now. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that are, are irrefutable, but there are other things that, that I love the fact that we can sit as believers and have these discussions and, and continue to dig deeper and find out um, where, where we go. Anything else? The lengthy note. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. On this, if you don't mind. I'll, Absolutely. I'll read it. It is just takes you to this verse. She, that Paul does not have even mind years clear because the verb translated uh, will be saved is future. And he also uses the plural pronoun they. He is talking about women after Eve will be saved. The Greek word uh, can also mean the rescue, to rescue, to preserve, safe, and unharmed, to heal. Or to deliver from. It appears several times in the New Testament without reference to spiritual salvation. And it gives uh, other verses that that, that takes place. Uh, Paul is not advocating that women are eternally saved from sin through childbearing or that they maintain their salvation by having babies, both of which would be clear contradictions of the New Testament uh, teaching of salvation by grace alone through faith, faith alone. It's the same for Romans 8, 31 through 39. Paul is teaching that even though a woman bears the stigma of being the initial instrument who led the race into sin, as he had pointed out, uh, it is women through childbearing who may be preserved or freed from that stigma by raising a generation of godly children. 1 Timothy 5, 10. Uh, through childbearing, uh, because mothers have a unique bond and intimacy with their children and spend far more time uh, with them than do fathers, especially in those times. Uh, they have far greater influence in their lives and thus a unique responsibility and opportunity for rearing godly children. While a woman uh, may have led the human race into sin, women have the privilege of leading many out of sin to godliness. Paul is speaking in general terms. God does not want all women to be married, 1 Corinthians 7.25-40, uh, let alone bear children if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control the godly appearance and demeanor and behavior uh, commanded and of believing women in the church first Timothy 2 9 through 12 is motivated by the promise of deliverance from any inferior status and the joy of raising godly children they really did yeah don't they? yeah <coughs> and it did but it, it echoes some of the other things that that we've seen elsewhere um in in other study notes that have been shared this morning about the perseverance, about these roles that God has assigned specifically to women and what impact they can have uh, living a godly life and persevering through. And, and, and you know, it's, it's in a time where, from a societal standpoint, gender roles, not even bothering to talk about gender itself, have become so blurred and so... Um, difficult um, to even discuss anywhere these days. Um, Certain verses in Scripture come across as um, 
to most people outdated, offensive. Um, and, and that's never the intent of God's word. God's word is to, is to provide structure. God's word is to, to provide us pathways. God's word is to, is to provide us um, a, a true direction for how we live our lives. We talked about how Paul um, told Timothy that he should you know, serve and, and live with, with good conscience. And if we're, if we're being guided by God's word and the Holy Spirit is, is really at the, at the wheel, so to speak, um, then, then these things won't sound outdated. They won't sound offensive. We realize that, that God is merely trying to tell us what's best for us because he made us. He understands. He knows. And in submitting to God and literally making Christ Lord of your life is reading through Scripture and rightly dividing it and applying it to life. And today, just like any time in the past, there's things in Scripture that come across and, and hit us in a way we don't want to be hit. But that goes for men and women. And, you know, it, it's, it's a difficult thing. When Scripture says to you, especially if you if you've never been married, that man you should men should love their women like Christ loves or their wife the way that Christ loves the church, because the implication clearly is you should be willing to die for your wife, you should be willing to give everything for for your wife and love her at a level which if if, if you've never experienced, um, you're you're called to get there, and and. That's something that is, is I, we were here for a wedding several years back. I don't even remember now who was getting married. But the, the, the preacher who was doing the, the service said, we talk oftentimes about the submission of women and the role of men and women in marriage. And he said, I only have one thing to say. I never met a woman in marriage who wasn't willing to support and follow and and be in with her man when that man was truly willing to give his life for her. So if we look at scriptural roles the way that they're defined and apply them rightly and allow God to lead us, wonderful things happen. It's not all sunshine and lollipops and rainbows, but wonderful things happen. And when things aren't wonderful, we get through them by leaning on God. So I listened to a, and I can't remember who it was, which pastor it was, but there was a, somebody did a commentary or a sermon on, on this passage. And his point was, you know, that we as, we as humans, we, we make these hierarchies. Nowhere in there is it saying that man is better because, you know, he's, the leader of the home and 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 the leader of the church. It, nowhere in there does it say that he's better because of that, or that a woman is denigrated or lowered in stature because of her role. Men have roles, women have roles. The, the roles are are distinct and they are extremely important in in their own right. And it's only as humans do we sit back and think, well. You know, as a, as a woman, why can't I, you know, do this? Or as a man, why can't I do that? And 
It's just like the body. The heart is the heart more important than the brain? Is the brain more important than the liver? They all need each other. They all you know, everything has a purpose <coughs> for the function of the whole. <laughs> what did you say? I heard appendix. I heard appendix. Yeah. <laughs> Except for appendix. appendix. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we stopped eating twins and berries, I guess. Something like that. So. Colson's class is doing a unit this year on family structure and things like that in their uh, social studies class. And he brought home paperwork and it showed the roles of the men and the roles of the women. And biblically, yes, we know that that's what it's supposed to be, but to see it on a social studies paper was kind of eye-boggling. I mean, I'm working in the school, and I know that that's on the paper, and that it's a Christian school, and that's what's going to be there, but it was still, because, I mean, I taught public school for so long, well, yeah. and raised in public school, it's like, oh, whoa, <laughs> put that on the paper. Not complaining about it, but it was just kind of odd to see. There, yeah. You know, had something like that been in a public school, Oh. curriculum or worksheet or something like that that there would have been there would be attorneys for. involved but yeah but at the same time if it were in there how life would be so much more different <laughs> right now if we just took the biblical perspective on things yeah boy that holds true across the board doesn't it and of course when you say that to a non-believer or when you say that to <clears throat> to those who, who who don't spend time in scripture or those who are just you know, dead set against anything that has to do with the Bible. They start referring to <clears throat> the things of the Old Testament and say, well, if you're going to follow the Bible, then why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And why don't you? And, and you, I always want to come back and say, well, why don't you just read the Bible one time? I mean, really read it in context and really understand what it is that you're trying to say. Because almost everything that you have pointed out has been <clears throat> changed by the New Testament <clears throat> or your improperly interpreting it. You know, I've, I've been asked the question many times, well, well why, did, why did God let people have multiple wives in the Bible? He didn't. He advised against it. And, you know, it was, it, was, it was something that brought down those who, who, who went against God's word. And so um, it's just a matter of, of understanding that God's word is, is, is here for a purpose. Um, I don't think we're, we're going to be able to have that discussion too in depth. Uh, but I will go ahead and cover a little bit here in the remaining minutes. Um, what I was hoping to talk about a little bit this morning, and we'll carry it over. Um, Alistair Begg is a very well-known theologian, preacher, pastor of a church up near, uh, near the Cleveland area. And uh, he's, he's on radio on multiple stations and places. And he, he wrote a book talking about his experiences as a pastor. And there was an account that he gave in the book where he gave a, a word of advice to a grandmother who had reached out to him. And her situation was this. Her grandson slash granddaughter, I, I don't know the details here, was involved in a, 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 in a marriage with a transgender. And her concern was that if she didn't attend the wedding, and if she did what was expected of her to do, and basically just say, I have nothing to do with this at all, that her relationship with her grandchild would be completely broken, and she would have no opportunity to talk with them ever again. 
that sets the stage. And so Alistair Begg's advice to her was, go to the wedding. You probably should even take a gift and give it to them. And he framed that in this, keeping the role of communication, or the, the, the lane of communication, open with the sinner and the family member is far more important than taking the stand and staying away from the wedding when it shuts down that lane of communication. And that by attending, <clears throat> it doesn't matter if it looks like you are approving of this event. As long as the people involved know you and know that you don't approve, keep that lane of communication open so you can witness to them and continue to try to lead them to Christ. That that, that ability to try and witness is worth way more than walking away, damaging that, and trying to make a, make a statement that everybody else sees that you don't support this. So it's the thing that, that evangelicals talk about frequently, and that it's, it's guilt by association, right? If you hang around the wrong crowd, people think that you <clears throat> endorse that behavior and that it's something that, that, that you want to be a part of. And so Alistair's defense to that, to a degree, was really that Jesus hung around with sinners. Jesus ate with you know, tax collectors. Jesus talked to a woman at the well who was not worthy of being speaking to and uh, spoken to in that culture. He, he spent time with her, and, and a, a rabbi would never have even spoken to the woman in the middle of the day like that. This wouldn't have happened. And so his, his defense was that, be, just be, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but just because Jesus hung out with sinners, did that make him guilty by association? When his purpose was to deliver them and to communicate to them and to witness to them. And so, and he went on to talk about the, the prodigal son. He made some points that I had trouble connecting, quite frankly. He sounded like sounded a little bit like he was really trying to defend himself. And, and I get that. Um, but it, it's one of those one of those things where he now has been punished, if you will, through cancel culture, where his 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 radio ministry has been removed off of a, a national broadcasting station. Um, you know, he we talked last week. He, he's been uninvited to speaking at an event that that uh, evangelicals are quite happy to, to be a part of uh, because of the fact that they disagree with the advice that he gave. And uh, um, as much as I would love to open that up for discussion, I want you to ponder that for next week because we'll open up with a discussion on that before we move into uh, chapter 3 of First Timothy. Um, but, but that's the situation. And it continues to be a topic of discussion uh, because now folks have taken it in another direction and said, well, look what it's done. It has now caused division among evangelicals. Those who are in the, in the faith, and there's no question about Alistair Begg's position on, on uh, the, the things that, that matter. 
But people who are in the faith who believe the same thing are now dividing themselves because of a disagreement about something that, quite frankly, how would you classify it? Is it here, here, or here? Here. Here. Three. Three. I'm glad you brought that up because that's going to be part of the sermon today. Okay. <laughs> not the, not, not that, the Alistair Begg, but this, this, this. the three tiers. Yes. Yeah. So, it's uh, not worthy of dividing over. You know, well, it depends. Yeah, well, and, and you're right. It does depend. So that's, I think we can have a lengthy discussion on it next week for, for several minutes anyway um, about what you think about it, how you feel about it. Um, because I don't think I could, my first thought is I don't think I could bring myself to go to that wedding. I don't think I could do that. But Alistair's <laughs> point is that we should be doing things as Christians that make us uncomfortable in our effort to reach the lost and to, to not necessarily do what's expected of us, but to sometimes do what is not expected of us. Speak to the woman at the well. Speak to the woman at the well. And, and then he goes back to say, but if I had to talk to, talk to another person at a different time, under different circumstances, I might have given different advice. And so we want to talk, I want to, I want to talk next week about is it, could we be led by the Holy Spirit in a certain situation to give advice that is needed at that time where it would be different another time? Is it uncomfortability or is it celebrating sin? That's the question. I'm going to stop it there. I, believe me, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you 100%. Um, I'm just trying to present both sides of the coin so that we can talk about it. And uh, So I'll let it go there. We're, we're over time. I've, I've sat here and just babbled on again. Um, we'll go ahead and, and close with a word of prayer and hope to see everybody again next week. And we'll pick up the discussion there. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we are so grateful, again, that we are allowed to, to come here in freedom and discuss it. Lord, thank you for all those who have uh, served in various capacities to protect our freedom and allowed us uh, to be able to do this here. Uh, Father, we just hope and pray that as we leave this room that, um, that our mindset will, will continue to be on you. Help us to prepare our hearts and our minds for worship as we enter into the sanctuary. Lord, be with Brother Tink this morning as he delivers the message, and we just pray that, that it will reach those who are sitting there and that, as we always say, that uh, new relationships will be formed and existing relationships will be strengthened. Thank you, Lord, again, for all that you've done, and we look forward to what you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.